everybody, I'm Connor, that's Doug, and this is Season 2 of the Bethel School District Presents, a podcast about the Bethel School District. We have a very cool show for you all today, but before we get started, Connor, let's play a little game. You're a moderately interesting person, former newspaper man, Como reporter, world traveler, I'm guessing in your sojourns across the globe that you've met some pretty interesting and potentially famous people. So today, let's play Who is the Most Famous Person You've Ever Met? Well, let's see. I could go with the time that I shared a bagel with Grammy Award-winning singer Brandy Carlisle, but I won't. I'm going to talk about Shaq, the big diesel, and the time I sold him toothpaste. Well, I'm more interested in the Brandy Carlisle story because I don't know who this Shaq person is, but go ahead with your story. The very short version of the story is I was working the counter at a gift shop at a small airport in Montana where I grew up, and wouldn't you know it, but Shaquille O'Neal, all seven feet one of him, came sauntering in, fresh out of toothpaste, and who was there to save the day? Yes. Little old me. <laughs> that is a bizarre interaction. Uh, do you remember if he was brand specific on the toothpaste? He's a crest man. I bet my life on it. <laughs> so, Doug, you've also had a possibly interesting life. I don't really know much about you, nor do I care. But have you met anyone famous in your ramblings across this big blue marble we inhabit that floats aimlessly through the cosmos? I have, and thank you for that lovely poetic introduction that underlines our friendship perfectly. I was an Army broadcast journalist for a few years. That's 46 Romeo, if you're keeping score. In the Netherlands one time, I had the pleasure of filming Air Force One landing and shaking the hand of one Mr. Bill Clinton. Wow, former president... NBA superstars, Grammy Award winners, we're pretty cool. We're at least adjacent to cool, and we're adjacent to cool right now. Joining us today in the studio is Coda Witzkin. She is an artist, a national artist, working at Challenger High School through the Washington Arts Commission, and she has done some amazing mural work over at the new Challenger High School, and thank you to our voters for approving the bond back in 2019 that allowed us to build that fantastic school. Coda, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. So you heard us talking about the most famous person we've ever met. I assume on the national art circuit, you've met some pretty famous people. You know, it's it's interesting. I've met a lot of famous and wonderful people, but my favorite person that I've met so far that has at least internet fame is actually Blue. It's the Indianapolis Colts NFL mascot, and he's been voted mascot of the year, I think three or four years in a row, has hundreds of thousands of followers on TikTok, but his bit is that he will um, pie random fans and other famous people, players, other mascots in the face, and just has these wonderful dances. So that was for me, <laughs> my mini celebrity shock moment. <laughs> I love that. Were you on the receiving end of one of these pies? What was your interaction like with him like? Oh, I did not have the honor to receive a pie. I actually asked if we could do it to create content and, and he was pieless at the moment. Uh, I know you've done some work for some sports franchises over the years. So is that how you got in contact with him? Yeah, so I, I work with a lot of sports brands, teams, fan bases to tell their stories and to help players, fans, and teams engage with each other. So I've worked with the NCAA, NFL, NBA, MLB, especially I grew up in Indianapolis. So those are my teams, you know? (laughs) So I got connected to them through that sports network, as you were saying, and, and I have really good relationships with the Arts Council in Indianapolis. They referred me other sports teams referred me, and, and now we're working together on a seasonal basis to tell the cult stories. That's really cool. Now, you mentioned the Indianapolis Arts 
Commission, the Washington Arts Commission here is how you got your gig here at Challenger High School. Talk about that process a little bit and what brought you here to Spanaway. The Arts Commission here, Arts Washington, has a public art roster, a huge list of artists, all different kinds, styles, origins, and they periodically update that. So a couple years ago, I applied to be on that list, got accepted, and a huge kudos to Mike Sweeney and the Arts Washington team. They really expanded the types of artists they were including on that list recently, which allowed me to be on it as a, a muralist and somebody that doesn't have, you know, technically an art degree or a lot of gallery background. I, I have more of a business background. So was really glad they were open to working with new people. And then fast forward to this lovely new facility at Challenger High School being built and Jeff and the local Bethel School District Arts Committee met, reviewed that public roster list of artists and said, you know, we, we really like CODA. So here, here I am. And a year of planning went into actually being here today from meeting with the committee, talking about what do students even want at Challenger in the form of art and how does that look and feel to be intentional, making a plan, revising the plan, ordering materials, the, the whole nine yards, and, and here we are. And we are lucky to have you. That list you were talking about for the Arts Commission was not a short list. Jeff told me there was like 200 names on that. They did a thorough review and picked you out of everybody. So we're really excited to have you here and have your talent here on the walls. Now, Jeff also told me that the kids are heavily involved in this project too. Talk about that interaction that you're having with them. Yeah, first of all, thank you so much. Honor to be here. When it comes to engagement, engagement with the students. I wanted to make sure that was the cornerstone of this project. I am a public artist, but I specifically focus on community-oriented art. So not just I'm going to show up, make something pretty, and leave, but I'm going to show up, hopefully make something with the community. And once I leave, that art piece is the community's, and it, and it feels authentic and like it does belong here and to the people that will witness it every day. So when I first visited Challenger, about a year ago, just meet the students, talk to staff, look at the facility. We asked students, what would materially impact your experience here at Challenger positively on a day-to-day -day basis if we were to add art? Is it 2D? Is it 3D? Where do you want it? What do you want it to say? And the overwhelming feedback from the art classes, the photography classes, people walking to lunch, was that they wanted art that looked and felt like them, like people that represented who they were, not, you know, a, a welcome brochure with the standard people that you would expect on it, or, you know, a more public school feel, because all of Challenger students have chosen to be here at this alternative high school and they have very colorful and vibrant personalities. So they wanted the art to reflect themselves and they wanted it to be in the main hallway because as as the Challenger kiddos put it, they're so grateful for this new facility, but there's a lot of white walls and it feels very matrixy. So from their feedback, we decided to create two large scale, very vibrant spray painted works that felt modern and literally reflected the students. So we invited students and staff to actually submit photos of themselves, of each other, of activities happening at Challenger that they thought really embodied what does it mean to be part of the Challenger family. And if we are looking at Challenger's values of community and, and grit, how do we tell that story through you guys? 
We had, I believe over a hundred photos were submitted. It was really wonderful. And then on top of that, there was a Valentine's Day programming event that I believe the Career Center put on. And students and staff filled out hundreds of Valentine's hearts with doodles and notes to each other. And we submitted those as well for consideration for inspiration. So now we had this huge swath of content, right? How do we make two large scale artworks based off of now 200 plus pieces of material? We said, well, we shouldn't decide, the students should. So there was a student leadership group vote in March where they selected their top 10 favorite pieces of content, photos and art pieces that they thought represented them. And those pieces of inspiration are what you see incorporated in the artworks. So there's a heart in the background of one piece that says so much love. That's literally someone's Valentine's Day programming recreated in my style. And then the background of the second larger work looks like abstract text, but what it's actually based off of is the number one piece of voted content was somebody's Valentine's poem. And it read, roses are red, violets are blue. Sometimes it don't be like that. Sometimes it do. (laughs) And it was just so funny and colorful and on the money for what we wanted to represent. So you'll see those in the background. And that brings us to the tough part of my assignment today. You work in a visual medium. We're in an audio medium right now. Can you paint us a word picture of what these murals look like? Ooh, I like this. Yes, I'm happy to paint with my words. So these murals, if you can imagine, are longer horizontally, right, than they are vertically. So picture a long skinny wall on your mind's eyes. And then the color palettes are all completed in spray paint. So really vibrant reds, pinks, blues, greens, yellows. I like to think of the color palettes as the challenger red if you also introduced like a 90s Rugrats neon green theme. So that that's where we're going color wise. <laughs> was definitely influenced by my roots there, if, if you'll allow me to say so. Absolutely. <laughs> um, and then content-wise, all of the content is student-led, student-driven, student-engaged. So the four student portraits that you see are based on photos actually submitted by students and voted as their favorite. So there's Jamani, Daviana, Hannah and D'Angelo, and I got to meet three of the four of those students this week while we were painting on site. So the students could ask questions and be involved in not just what the art is, what the design is, but also seeing the artwork created. Um, And Daviana graduated early, so big congrats to her so she didn't get to see it. And we're going to be sharing photos and videos that you and your team have put together as you've been creating and installing these murals. You can find those on our Facebook page. Now, your being here is not only bringing art to the halls, but you have brought something else to the students here, and that's your expertise as an artist. Talk about some of these classes that you've held for the kids. Because the artworks were so student-forward, we wanted to make sure that you know, viewing installation on site wasn't just the students watching me paint and it being almost a zoo-like experience. We really wanted it to be engaging and, and meaningful. So when the staff sat down and we talked about, you know, what might add to the curriculum here at Challenger to reinforce that whatever resource you need, especially if you're interested in art here at Challenger, you have it. So we had portfolio reviews, 
tattoo apprenticeship reviews, Mythbusters workshop, demystifying the scary parts of becoming a professional artist so that the kiddos could get some feedback on generalized career paths and their specific career paths to help improve those applications. So it was really wonderful to get to know you know, Dylan and Jocelyn and Mel and, and everybody was was just great. Thank you for sharing your art with us that we get to keep here at Challenger High School. Thanks for sharing your talent with the kids. We started off talking about the most famous person you've met. At some point, you're going to end up on somebody's most famous person I've met list. So let's kind of circle all the way back. Where did you get your inspiration from to become an artist? Art has always been part of my life. My grandpa was a cartoonist of sorts. My mom has an art degree that she didn't really use. I have a twin brother who's also an incredibly talented artist. So we grew up doing that together as just a way to have fun. And then it wasn't until high school where I had one truly amazing teacher. Shout out Angela Fritz at Hamilton Southeastern High School. She saw that I I loved this thing called art and put me in front of an eight foot plywood board and said, paint this. And I had never done something bigger than a piece of paper. So that was my first taste of thinking and working at a larger scale. And I really liked it. (laughs) And then fell in love with large scale work. So I would do the occasional mural here and there just for fun. Went to college and quickly had an existential crisis because academics were always thankfully my strong suit. So I had, I felt a lot of pressure to become what you would expect, your doctor, your lawyer, etc. So I went pre-med and delivered some babies before I realized that, that that wasn't actually my calling. And then I fell through a plinko chip amount of other careers before I allowed myself to believe that art could really be it. So coming from a high school student and falling in love, that never really left. And then through trying on the med school outfit, trying on the travel industry and sales and all of these other outfits, and ultimately realizing, you know, I was in my dream job. I was working, you know, a high paying corporate job. I had just moved to LA. I had the best boss in the world. By all means, I should have been incredibly happy. And I was crying every single day in in my cube, so to speak, and, and driving home. And I wanted to create. So I I quit that job. I moved back to Indianapolis where the little art contacts that I have were at the time. I had nothing but my college portfolio from 10 years ago and a couple people that I hoped would help me meet other people. And I started my business. That was, gosh, almost six years ago now. So not that long ago. And it's really been a snowball experience learning to become a public artist over the last six years and here we are. What was the very first national brand that that you landed? I think the first recognizable brand that I worked with was actually Jiffy Lube. Believe it or not, especially the Midwestern Jiffy Lube branches have fantastic art programs where they want people to feel welcome when they come get their car serviced. It's an area that makes a lot of people feel not so safe, maybe taken advantage of or anxiety ridden. So they wanted to flip the script. So Jiffy Lube in Indianapolis has installed now a couple dozen murals on each of its locations by local artists and whatever theme the artist wants. And that was my first big break, so to speak. Um, Wow. Yeah, it it was really fun. And then 
from there, it just really spiraled into working with brands like Target, Eli Lilly, all the sports brands we've been talking about. And now scheduled to work with Starbucks later this summer. So the sky's the limit, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Here in Washington, when our voters approve a bond for a new school, and if that school is eligible for matching funds from the state, then one half of 1% of the state's cost is reserved to go to public art in that building. That's what brought you here. Now, art is an area that's kind of under attack right now with the rise of artificial intelligence. I saw a photo contest, I think Sony had put it on, and the winner submitted a photo and it turned out it was an AI generated photo and he had submitted that to spark the conversation of how is AI going to impact art going forward. Next week we're going to be talking with our chief technological officer Mike Christensen about AI and its impact here in the district and in classrooms. But to kind of give us a taste for next week, how do you see AI impacting your work and art going forward? It's a really interesting and complicated question. So I will caveat this with I am not an AI expert, so please take everything I say with a grain of salt. I am both very excited for how AI will impact the art world and cautious as to how it might influence it as well. I'm excited because I think that it will open so many doors for people to lessen the learning curve. Mm -hmm. I think that it will give people who maybe didn't have the resources the ability to make the reference images or the visions they want to help communicate their vision in business meetings. I'm also really excited, not quite on the AI side, but I'm sure in some way AI and you know, the blockchain way of thinking will will collide. And I think that has actually really exciting implications for art ownership. An easy example of this is in World War II, the Nazis raided many a building and museum and kept a lot of that work. And now huge museums are working frantically to figure out where their collection came from so that they can get rid of pieces they shouldn't have and return them to their rightful owner. Right. Wouldn't it be nice if there was a digital receipt of every single owner of who owned that, right? So I think that it will, in many ways, help bring equity to many art practices and will be great as an inspirational tool. I really think that a lot of people who are scared that AI will totally take over their artistic work, I really don't believe that that's where we're heading. I think you can tell when there's not a human element in something and you really... You can't recreate someone's vision through a computer that way. And sure, um, if you're making potentially a, a logo or something like that, that might be a great tool to give you ideas on how to iterate. But especially large, masterful works, I think that there's always going to be a human in that process to, to drive the intent of it. And it's okay if our tools update over time. You know, where I'm cautious is definitely on the legal side of things, on intellectual property and, and ownership. And in the learning curve period when AI ramps up, some jobs might be affected in, in the short term. But my hope is that we will just find new ways for humans to interact in the process. So I'm going into it with a positive and open mind, making sure we ask the right questions, but I don't think it's all all bad, so to speak. Excellent. Thank you for your insight on that. It's it's a really interesting topic and it touches, it's going to touch every area of our lives. So I I think that's really interesting. Coda Witzkin, thank you so much for joining us today. Where can people find your work online? You can reach me online on Instagram at Hugh Murals. I know it's a mouthful. H-U-E-M-U-R-A-L-S. 
same thing on Facebook as well. And actually my cell phone and email are on there too. So if you're someone like me that wants to connect via conversation, I'm always down. Excellent. Thank you so much for joining us today. And thank you for what you've done here for the students at Challenger High School and the mark you've left on this building. Thank you so much for having me. I hope to be back soon. She sounds very optimistic. I, on the other hand, find AI terrifying. It makes me nervous too. And there are a ton of implications when it comes to school as we know it. Next week, we'll be joined by Chief Technology Officer Mike Christensen to talk more about it. And Connor and I will bring our artificial intelligences along for the ride. Sounds exciting. Until then, everybody. Everybody.